Yeah. All right, we're starting a new series tonight, Gimme Gimme. I think you understand a little bit about what it is about this weekend. So um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, let's, uh, let's bow our heads this morning and, and pray. God, thank you so much for, for being with us right here, right now. And I pray that you do give it all to us. Maybe not the things that we strive for all the time, but the things we're wanting right now. And that is, uh, is you. That's what I'm asking for. I'm asking that we have more understanding of you more of your humility, uh, more of your wisdom. I pray that you would give that to us and help me be clear tonight. And I pray these things according to your character. Amen. Yes, hey, I, have a, I have a really like loud buzz coming from an uh, a, a, uh, amp here. Can that get turned off from some one wonderful person there? Yes, beautiful, thank you. Well, I want it all and I want it now. I want it all and I want it now. This is the pervading theme that goes through our society in every single realm, the financial realm, the relational realm, the health realm, the spiritual realm, the everything realm, as if because I'm here on this planet, everything should be coming my way. And when should come my way? Now. Because I want it now. I try to stay away from reading the advertisements in the Sunday paper because when I do, I find out that I just want it all and I want it now. It just naturally just kind of pops up in me. I got to stay away from the Best Buy flyers. And this weekend, Sunday Inquirer, this, here it is right here, the Best Buy flyer. Look at this. And you know, I see this stuff and I'm like, man, what is it all about that I still don't have a flat screen TV? I know, no complaints. I got a really nice TV, a lot better than a lot of yours in here probably, not to make you jealous. But, um, but what is it that that I, I still don't have one. I, when I would look at these things, I just want one. If you haven't noticed, it's not even so much about the, the screen on this ad, but it's also this little line right here. I don't know if you saw this. Best Buy, you, happier. That's right. You, happier. You get it all, you get it now, and you get happier. See, we, we all think that the whole entitlement thing is, is about somebody else. Yeah, somebody else is entitled. Somebody else has got the problems. It's the little kids. It's the, it's the people who don't have the health care. It's the, it's the people who don't have the job. It's the people who have the golden parachutes. It's the people who, they're the ones who think they're entitled to things. No, it's all of us. All of us suffer and deal with con this, this condition. And, and what we're going to learn in this series is that when we get out of a posture of expecting everything to break our way, of expecting that if I do this, then God has to do that, when we get get out of that position, we come to a place of freedom of being able to experience Him in life in a way in which uh, we previously weren't. Now what we're going to do through this series is take a look at a number of pivotal stories that are in the Bible, specifically the Old Testament portion of the Bible, the portion of the Bible that was written long before Jesus came along. And we're going to see this trend throughout people's lives of this entitlement mentality. And it's a trend that continues on to us today. I'm going to start with uh, one of my more favorite stories or more revealing stories in the Bible. It's a story of Jacob and his brother Esau. The Bible was written trying to collect people together to know the heart of God and go after the world and be a blessing to the world. And the way it starts out is by God choosing a specific nation, working through a nation, the, uh, who, who the father of whom is Abraham. And as Abraham goes on and has children, as he has firstborn children, firstborn sons specifically, those firstborn sons are those who have the responsibility to carry this heritage on, lead a nation, and also have the opportunity 
to receive more of an inheritance, receive more of a blessing, receive more responsibility for the clan's future. And so one of his uh, grandchildren, Isaac, as Isaac comes along and has, a, has, a, has his wife, Rebecca, they're trying to have kids and God comes to them and speaks to them about, actually not his grandson, his son, speaks to them about what's going to happen with their family as they're doing their family planning. And here's what it says in the book of Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Says so you got twins, good news, you got twins, wonderful. Uh, another wonderful thing is both of these kids are going to have effective lives and they're going to have entire clans, nations that come out of them. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, and God says, now here's the twist. The twist is, you think the way this works is that the younger always serves the older, but I'm going to tell you right now, the way I want this is I want the younger to be served by the older. I want the younger to get the lion's share of the inheritance. I'm going to switch this up. One of the things we're going to see today and throughout the series is what, what ends up getting us bottled up is when we get in a quid pro quo mentality, a fairness mentality, which means if I do this, then you have to do that for me. If I don't do this, then God, you won't do anything bad to me or allow anything bad to happen to me. But God, if I do do this, then you'll have a lot of things happen my way. It's, it's called the, the rule of fairness. And God right here in numerous, numerous ways shows that this rule of fairness doesn't exist in his way of thinking. In fact, he says, you're all used to, you're all used to, the older one, the firstborn son, that's the one who gets the lion's share of the inheritance. This time it's going to be different. Jacob, you are the one, you are the younger one who is going to be the leader of the nation of Israel. So, it says this in verse 24, When the time came for her, Rebekah, to give birth, there were twin boys in the womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. That's a good-looking kid right there. <laughs> red, hairy-looking garments. That's a boy, man. That's a looker. And, and so they named him Esau. And after this, his brother came out, and with his hand grasping Esau's heel... So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60, year old, 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Poor guy, poor guy. Now, one of the things that we find out, and we talked a little bit about this before, is that to know someone's name is to know somebody's identity. So sometimes when I pray, when I say, according to the character of Jesus, I pray, what I'm doing is kind of changing the phrase that some people end their prayers with, which is, in, in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. But really, when Jesus said to pray according to his name, he wasn't saying to just tack that phrase on the end of your prayer and all of a sudden God will be fair and give you everything. What he was saying is when you pray for things that are according to my character, according to who I am, then your prayer is going to be powerful. And so these kids get a name according to their character. Esau means hairy one. You know, some of you are like, your name is Harry. Maybe you were Harry when you were born. That's why your dad gave you the name Harry. Esau means that. And Jacob, Jacob, his name means one who grasps the heel. Jacob is this driven hustler. From day one, the dude wants to hustle. He's not content to be the second born. He wants to be the first born. He's hustling so much so he's, he's, it's like he's striving, coming out of the womb, clawing for everything he can, trying to claw, uh, claw onto a heel and pull it forward so that he can be the first one that he can win. Now, if you've ever read this story before, or if you've heard other pastors talk about this story, uh, you might have this wrong. Because the way this normally goes from here on is people think that Jacob is the bad one, 
He's the one that's just too driven. He's the one that's trying to usurp and overcome. He's the one. No, no, he's not. He's not. The dude is a born hustler. This series is not about saying, hey, let's all just like mellow out and just expect things to come our way. This series is about realizing we want to engage. We need to engage. There's a difference between engaging and entitling. Is that the right word? Engagement and entitlement. Engagement. What's engagement? It's, it's working for possibility. Engagement is when you work for a possibility. And entitlement is when you expect prosperity. When you just expect good things to happen to you. We're going to see in this story that Esau is expecting just prosperity to come his way. He's expecting that since he's the firstborn, it should all be coming towards him. And we also see that as a result of Jacob engaging, though he has faults we're going to see, as he's engaging, he's increasing his possibilities. He's not increasing his guarantees. He's actually increasing his possibilities. Now as the story goes on, Jacob and Esau are growing up, and Esau takes after his dad. He's a, he's a guy's guy. He's all hairy, and he likes to hunt. Aren't all people who are hairy like to hunt? So he goes out, maybe it's because he has camouflage on. He's born with camouflage. He can blend into the bushes. I don't know why, the, why, why it is, but he's a, he's a hunter. He goes out, and he likes to hunt. Now Jacob, on the other hand, he's a mama's boy. He likes to cook. Not that if you like to cook, you're a mama's boy. Though I don't like to cook, that does tell you something. So, uh, so Jacob... Supposed to be funny. Jacob, Jacob just he, he has some more, more uh, stereotypical feminine motherly qualities. He likes to cook. And so as Esau, as Esau is out hunting, Jacob has gone out and he's 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 cooking. He's cooking stew. And uh, and here, here's what happened. They come in, they come in, and as Esau is walking in, he sees this stew. He can smell it coming in. The, 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 the campground is set up a little bit away from home. We don't know exactly how far, but obviously it can't be all that far from home. Esau is smelling this, this aroma, and he's just got raw food that he's just killed. He's smelling this aroma, and he says, hey, man, can I, can I, have, some, can I have some stew here? And Jacob says, well, yeah, sure, you, you can have some stew. Here's, here's, how about this? How about you give me your birthright because the culture says that if you're the firstborn son, that you're the one who's specially favored and gets a lion's share of the inheritance. How about this? How about you give me what is yours by right of birth in our society and I'll give you some stew. <laughs> See, Jacob is a hustler. The guy, I don't mean like... He's like hustling, being sneaky. It's a very straightforward thing. The dude is striving. The dude is working. And, uh, and Esau, Esau, well, here, let's, I'll show you what it is. Here it says, Jacob replies, well, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, well, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. See, uh, Jacob has to cook lentil stew, not beef stew, because he's not man enough to kill anything. He's got like vegetarian stew. He's, you know, he's cooking this stuff. I'm really getting in trouble today, aren't I? Yes, as I am. Um, and see, here's where, here's where the more serene church-going types would say that this is why Jacob is just a bad guy. I mean, shouldn't we just be giving everything in love and he wants the stew. Why doesn't he just lay down his life and give the stew all in love? Nothing wrong with that. That's good. I mean, I, I, we're a big giver around here and just giving things away. That's why here we hear Crossroads. We, we give away CDs. 
we give away, um, we give away coffee, we give away resources for growth, we give away um, uh, admission into growth opportunities, we give away a sound experience, a musical experience that you probably can get anywhere else this weekend for free. You paid no admission. We give things away. That's a wonderful, wonderful. By the way, if you're wondering like how this all works around here economically, there's a podcast we did on Crossroads.net that talks about where we are financially, our budgeting principles, that kind of stuff. You can check that out. But there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. It's wonderful to give things away. But it's not the only way when it comes to living life. If that was the case, then none of us in here should have jobs. I mean, if you got a job, why, why would you work in order to get a paycheck? What, what, what is that about? Why would you go out and try to make a sale? Why would you go out and have a product that you can sell? There's nothing wrong at all with what Jacob's doing. It's fine to give things away, but Jacob has a straight-up business proposition. He says, here's the deal. I got a commodity you would like. You got a commodity I would like. How about a trade? No deceit, just a straight-up business transaction. Esau, Esau's like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to die. What good is my birth? I'm going to die. He totally overstates it. You're not going to die, dude. You can't be that much further away from home. It's not like you're going to die. He says, okay, I'll do it. He says, I will hand over my cultural rights, what I am entitled to as a result of the firstborn. I will hand that over and trade it to you for a bowl of soup. Now, Jacob got a great deal. (laughs) He got a great, great deal here. Deal or no deal? He gets a great deal. A great deal, but there is nothing shady about it at all. In fact, we see very clearly here that the Bible does not say that Jacob is the one in the wrong at all. In fact, if you notice this little phrase at the end of the story, it says this. So Esau despised his birthright. It doesn't say, so Jacob was deceptive. It doesn't say, so Jacob was selfish. No, the dude's hustling. He's working. God wants us to hustle. He wants to work. So so Esau despised his birthright. He undervalued it. He undervalued it and he gave it away. Now, four things we're going to see when we take on a sense of entitlement versus a sense of engagement. First is this. There's a lack of self-awareness. A lack of self-awareness. Esau really doesn't understand here that... um, that, that the guy is really short-sighted and he doesn't have much stick to We're going to see in a moment that, that he thinks everything is everybody else's fault except himself. He's, he's really not self-aware at all. And when it comes to this entitlement, I find it interesting that all of us think that it's the other person who's entitled, not me. It's always the other person who's entitled. It's always that person who is asking for government health care. That's the one who's entitled. It's... That CEO, the one who's getting the golden parachute, that's the one. That, that, that's, that's entitled. It's that middle manager, that middle manager who expects a cost of living increase like clockwork every year. No, no, that's the one that's entitled. Oh, no, it's that kid that expects that they should just be able to go to college and have somebody pay for it. No, they're the one that's entitled. No, it's, it's that spouse. It's that spouse that's trying to get their needs met instead of building up. That's the, it's always, you ever notice it's always the other person that's entitled. If you, you and I, if you and I can't see where we believe that we are entitled, where we believe that we're just due prosperity, where we believe that God just should be doing good stuff for us, then we have a self-awareness problem. And we have a big problem when that happens. A number of years ago, um, I, we decided to kind of catalog a number of staff members who over the years 
we've had difficulties with. There's a lot of staff members uh, who are part of the church who, who leave for great reasons and it's awesome and they're going off and doing greater things. Awesome, 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 awesome. And there's others who, who uh, we will invite to leave staff. And sometimes when that happens, it's a difficult thing and all, all the time it's a difficult thing. We tried to learn from this a while ago and we said, okay, let's just figure out what happens when a worker goes bad. And so we started listing all the people over the years that we could think of in the moment. And then we listed like the reasons why it didn't work out. So we had names here and we had all the reasons across here. And so one block would be, you know, they weren't truthful or, uh, or they had an outage in their integrity or uh, uh, the ministry had outgrown their abilities to manage. Or, and one of the blocks up there was they lacked self-awareness. They just didn't know. They, they, they saw themselves differently than everybody else saw them. And we found out that the pattern, the one thing that just about every single person had in common was a lack of self-awareness. Deluded. The hardest people to work with are those who are deluded about themselves. The hardest people to work with are those who, who think that they have abilities they don't have. The hardest people to work with are those who think they should be getting opportunities that they really have no, no business getting those opportunities. The hardest people to work with and be around are people who always think something should be coming their way or, way or they're getting shafted even though they don't see reality but everybody else around them does. You know anybody like that? You know anybody like that? Yeah, yeah. This is what happens with entitlement. There's a lack of self-worth. In fact, I'd say if you can't see right now areas that you feel like you're entitled, you are lacking self-awareness. I see them for me. I see them for me. I, I see the, the tensions and the temptations for me to feel like I'm entitled. You know, if I'm not careful, I can start to think, man, you know, Crossroads is doing pretty well. More should be coming my way. More opportunities should be coming my way. I, I can start to think, man, my kids, they're not thanking me for things that I'm doing. They're not thanking me at all. I, they, 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 should be, they should be like obeying me blindly because of all the things that I'm doing. Because after all, I'm entitled to that. I, mean, I could start seeing all of these things. what happens. And when you are entitled and you're not aware of these things, it just shows that you are entitled. Now, now Esau, Esau doesn't see this at all. He doesn't see this at all. Years go by now. He's had a normal business transaction, probably as teenagers. A normal business uh, transaction happens here. And then as they get older, much, much older, it comes time to give away the official blessing. Now, the official blessing is when the dad would put his hands on the kid and say a prayer, say an utterance over that kid. And that was when the birthright was officially transferred. The leadership of the clan, all the blessings that went with being the leader of the clan, all the blessings that went with being the firstborn was officially bestowed on that person. All the responsibility, all that everything. And so Isaac is getting very old. He doesn't see very well. He knows that he's on his last legs. And he doesn't like this plan that the mama's boy is the one who's supposed to get the blessing. He doesn't like this plan. Even though this has been an oracle that God has given them, and even though it's a well-understood thing in the family that there was a fair transaction that took place, Isaac doesn't like this plan, doesn't, doesn't like it all. So he goes on the slide to Esau and says, hey Esau, you know, it's time. It's time for us to get this thing done. Um, why don't you go out, kill me something that I would like to eat, and, you know, and when you come back, we'll have, a, we'll have a meal, and then I'll put my hands on you, we'll do the deal, everything is going to be good. Because he feels like he's entitled. He's like, Man, this, this is just the way it should be. While, while this is happening, you want to talk about Jerry Springer family? Here we have it going here right now. You want to say the Bible's out of touch with reality? Nearly every family in the Bible is whacked. Utterly whacked. 
In fact, if your family, if you don't see areas where your family is whacked, self-awareness, hello, hello. All, all of our families have some level of weirdness, and this family is really, really, really weird. Rebecca, Rebecca overhears her husband conjuring up this plan, so she decides to mastermind a different plan because she feels like she's entitled. She's like, in fact, she's so entitled, she decides to lie and mastermind a way that her and her son would lie. Jacob now, Jacob hears this, and he hears that this is going to happen, and, and he feels like, hey, I'm entitled to this. This has been a fair business transaction. So much so that he conspires in a lie as well. And of course, Esau feels like he's entitled because he just decides to go right along with this plan, do it real quietly so mom and my brother don't hear about it at all. So here's how it goes in chapter 27. Rebecca says, here's the deal, Jacob, why don't you go get some hairy garments, put them on yourself, put them on yourself. I'll get your dad's favorite stew. He can't see very well. You'll go inside to him, serve him stew. He'll reach out. He, won't, he can't see if you're red or not. He'll reach out. He'll feel like your, your pelts and we'll go, oh, there's hair. Okay, you're the one. I'll bless him. Here's it says in Verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, but my mother, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would, I would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread and she had made. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, well, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Lie, you lie like a rug, like a goat rug you're wearing. You lie. I, Esau, am your firstborn. I, I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Well, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Oh, my goodness, talk about entitlement. Not only is now Jacob participating in a lie, but now he's bringing God into it. Now he's, now, now he's lying and, and blaspheming God's character and saying, God, God did it. This is, this is how unself-aware he is in this moment. Then, then Isaac said to Jacob, uh, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob unclosed to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He didn't recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother. So he blessed them. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. Another straight out question. I am, he replied. Jacob uh, brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here my son and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, here's the blessing. Ah, the smell of my son is like a smell of a field that the Lord is blessed. That's something every son wants to hear. Man, I am, the, I am the smell of a field. That's great. May God give you heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. He has no idea what's happened here. His father 
Isaac asked them, well, who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn son Esau. Your firstborn, the one who has the right of the firstborn, the one who's entitled. I'm the man, the firstborn. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him and indeed he'll be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, me too, my father. But he said, your brother has come deceitfully and has taken your blessing. Everybody here is deceitful. In this moment, everybody's entitled. And the second thing we see that people are entitled is the only thing that matters is blessing. Only the blessing matters. When you're entitled, you're not caring about the process. You're not caring about your relationship with God. You're not caring about what you're personally learning. You're not caring about how you're growing. You're not caring about anything. All you want is the blessing, the blessing. That's all you want is the stuff to, to who knows what movie that's from? Yes, vacation, Christmas. The blessing, the blessing. That's uh, Uncle Lewis. That's good times right there. All you care about, all you care about is, is, is the blessing. When you're entitled, you don't want process. You don't want steps. You don't want growth. You don't want learning opportunities. You don't, you don't want to know God deeper. All you want is the drippings of fat. All you want are the blessings to come your way. And so all these four people want is the blessings. This is Jerry Springer. Everybody wanting what comes their way, and it's all somebody else's fault. You know, Isaac could probably be saying, well, I got tricked, you know. It's, 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 it's my wife's fault. Well, God told you before this is the way it was. Esau's probably saying, man, it's, I got tricked. It's, it's my brother Jacob's fault. Well, you, you traded your birthright. Rebecca would be saying, no, my husband was trying to go behind my back and go against God's will. Well, you're going against God's will by lying, Lying, being deceitful. Do you think if this is what God wanted, he couldn't work this out in the end? Do you have to strong arm this and see when you're entitled? Oh, I'm not strong arming it. I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure that everything is right. Jacob's like, Jacob thinks he's entitled because he's been the one that, that has been the hard worker. He's been the one that had the good business transaction. But again, he, he's lying. All these people are focused on the blessings. They can't see themselves and are self-aware enough to know what God thinks of this process and where he wants them to go. And what happens next, third thing that happens with all of us who are, who are entitled, unless we really put the brakes on, is that bitterness happens. Bitterness rules. We see Esau here. He shrieks. He shrieks like, oh, oh. He, he, he just gets angry. He gets bitter. And this is a mark for the rest of his life. Jacob's no dummy. He's a mama's boy. Esau's stronger than him. He realized he's going to get beat up and beat up bad. So he leaves the blessing and takes off. He bolts. He is gone. Esau, out of bitterness, spends the rest of his life tracking him down. His bitterness fuels him, not to build his own family, not to worry about other things, but he is fueled to go after him and track him down. We don't see Isaac and Rebecca, this married couple, ever talking again. For the rest of their life. They never talk again. At least it's not in the Bible. We see Rebecca, her favorite son, she never gets to see anymore because he's gone. Isaac, his favorite son, he never gets to see him anymore because now he's in the pursuit. This whole family breaks up and they all get bitter. They all get angst-ridden. Because they're expecting tit for tat and it's always the other person's problem. Um, one of the things that I've always hated is this one word that comes out with every kid. 
You know what that, you know what that, that word is? It's the, it's the word of, but no. What's the word? Fair. No fair. No fair. We all are like born with that. We're born with the ability to say no and no fair. No fair. You know, whenever you feel like you're entitled, everything has to be fair. Everything has to be tit for tat. I kind of inherit this from my dad. My wife hates this. She like gets so upset with me. It's like my dad, everything was fairness in his family. And so, you know, he would be pouring out drinks as a little kid. The rule in the family was if you're going to pour out the drink, the person who is pouring gets to choose second, gets to choose last, whichever the, the, the cup is. That way you're fair in pouring it out. And so I kind of inherited this. And to this day when I'm kind of pouring like a, a glass of wine for my wife and myself, I'm like, drip, 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 drip. I'm like try, trying to make it fair. And she gets so upset because I got this thing of fairness in me. And I, when I started to learn that God doesn't work on the fairness plan, He works on the grace plan. He works on the grace plan. means He gives good things to everybody who's good and everything who's bad. And He allows bad things to happen to everybody who's good and everybody who's bad. And if you work on the fairness plan, eventually you're going to get bitter because you're going to feel something, something didn't come to you that was right. When I finally figured this out and I saw that nowhere in the entire Bible does it ever say or imply that God is fair, in a holistic sense, right here in this life, tit for tat, I realized, man, i gotta, I got to jam this fairness crap out of my life. i gotta, I got to just stop it. It's killing me spiritually because it's fueling into entitlement. Now, when I had this learning and then I had kids, my poor kids, they just had awful lives when this happened. Because my, my kids would say, as a little kid, they'd say, no fair. I would do one of these like, fair? Fair. Now, some of you heard this before, but bear with me. This is therapeutic. I have to do this again. Fair. 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 You, you want fair? And the little kid goes, yeah, yeah, I want fair. Fair. All right, here, here's fair. I don't do anything for you until you, you do some stuff for me. That's fair. How, how, many, how many meals have you cooked for me? Here's the deal. No more meals for you until you start cooking for me. Meal. How, how many light bills have you paid? Here's the deal. You get no more light in your room until you start paying some light bills. How many times, how many times have you driven me around when I just didn't want to drive? Here's the deal. I'm not going to drive you anywhere until you start driving me around. And the kid's like, well, I'm only five. I can't drive. So what? So what? That's not fair that I'm only the one that drives you around. You're the one. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, next time I really, I would get rolling on this. I've done this every single one of the kids. I say, here's the deal. Here's the deal. How many, how many times, how many, how many times have I changed your diapers? How many times have I wiped your butt? How many times right now? I'm like, hey, here's the deal. Next time in the bathroom, I, I just saw this up here. This is just too fun right here. How do I like this little? Next time I'm in the bathroom, I'm like, hey, hey, hey. You got to catch up. You got to catch up. Mariah, Mariah, get yourself in here and do some what? It's like, you know, you got one of these deals here. And I, I won't put, I won't put down. Because that's fair. I said, you want fair? And now my kids now realize they never use the word fair. Never, never, never do. It evokes bitterness. But when you want fair, you get bitterness. Bitterness rules when you've, because there's always, you take care of yourself physically, everything's taken care of, and then you get cancer. Not fair. <laughs> that dude's doing two packs a day for 20 years. They don't have, that's not fair. I know, it's the way life works sometimes. When you feel you're entitled because of your good behavior or your good work ethic and it doesn't work out that way, your fairness leads to bitterness. It leads away from God. Fourth thing that happens, last thing that happens is that uh, the relationships break down. Relationships break down. 
This whole family is completely ripped apart. This whole family never sees each other again. And really the worst part is this whole family, their relationship with God is strained. I, I don't think it's ever really quite the same. It's strained. Now in the New Testament portion of the Bible, when it looks back on this, this is written a long, many, 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 many years later. When it looks back on this, this is in the book of Hebrews. When it looks back on this, it says something about this story that all of us can learn from. Here's what it says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 13 and following. 15 and following. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. <laughs> the grace of God. See, all of us, all of us have blessings that have come our way out of grace that we didn't work for. All of us. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You know the trouble that's happening in the marriages in here today? You know it's coming out of bitterness? You know that's probably coming out of entitlement. You show me a marriage where there's the 50-50 fairness plan, I will show you a marriage where there's entitlement and there is bitterness and there is eventually breakdown. Marriage is not a 50-50 proposition, it's a 100-100 proposition. It's not I meet you halfway, it's I just serve you. <laughs> I serve, I bless, and in the process, perhaps I'll get blessings back, but I serve, I give you grace, not I give you a paycheck. I give you grace, and it continues on. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, here again. <laughs> Esau is the one who has the lion's share of responsibility for feeling he's entitled. And he's the one who's deceptive, who's godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the, as the oldest son. God didn't have to sell him like that. You have to sell him like that. He was interested in immediate gratification. He felt like he was entitled to immediate gratification. That's what happens with a lot of us. Why we're in a hard way financially right now, hard way debt-wise. We feel like we're entitled to immediate gratification. That's why for a lot of us, our giving may be going down right now. We haven't lost our job yet. You haven't lost your job, but your giving goes down. Why? Because the immediate gratification of fear of what could happen keeps you from building into and blessing other people. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. What was the change of mind he sought? The change of mind he sought was to get Esau or his dad to change his mind. And the only thing that, that cut him to the core was the fact that he lost his blessing. He's never emotionally struck that he's been deceitful. He's never emotionally struck that he's been a liar. He's never emotionally distraught with the fact that he has only looked for immediate gratification. He, he's never emotionally broken down that he has, has, has at least 25% of the responsibility for a dysfunctional family. He's a, the only thing he's really upset about is what he lost. Man, if the only time you get bummed out is when you don't get something, guess what? You are entitled. If the only time you're really rocked to the core, when you're really bothered, when, when, when things are going on inside of you, is when you feel like you're not getting yours or you might not get yours, Man, you are in the path of Esau. You are on a way towards entitlement. You are on a way away from the relationship with God. Your relationship with God is getting broken. We don't want that here. We don't. We don't want that here. We want all of us to, to be close with God, to be close with one another, to engage with one another, to be hard workers. And when we work hard, there's possibilities, but not entitlements. Maybe it won't work out for us, but it doesn't matter. We just still engage and want to bless. 
pray for you right now. Um, God, I admit it. I am, uh, I have a sense of entitlement that I have to constantly step on and push away from and turn away from. I have it. Uh, I don't know if it's wired into the culture or wired into me personally. Um, I, I don't know where it comes from, but I just know that uh, I'm constantly looking to get my fair share. And, uh, and, I, don't, and I don't like it. I, I, I don't like it. Uh, I know that it hurts my relationship with other people. And most importantly, I know it hurts my relationship with you because then I, I put you in the position of being the payer of a debt because it's like you're in debt to me because I just did this good thing, so therefore you should pay me back. You are never in debt. You never owe anybody anything. You never owe me anything. What, what do I want? I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart in a greater way, and I want to know you. And I want your values to run through me, and I'm praying that that happens with everybody, uh, everybody in this room. And I pray these things according to the name of all that is right. Amen.